Dotnet Rocks, episode 1078, with guest Mark Rendell. Recorded Friday, December 5th, 2014. Hey, guess what? It's Carl Franklin. Richard Cavill. And we're here for Dotnet Rocks again in the fishbowl. And uh, it's December 24th. Yes. Well, it's December 24th when it gets published, but it's not today. It's December 5th today. Right. And so, you know, yesterday's show, I showed you something that is probably too late for you to order. Right. For Christmas. Today, I'm going to show you something else that's going (laughs) to make you mad. So can we, didn't hear can about we just say that Orion lifted off, that we delayed recording the show to watch Orion lift off? Yeah, that's true. And th- this is the greatest thing, wasn't it? That, you know, the, the Wi-Fi is so crappy here yeah. that when it got, we were watching no problem until it was 15 seconds to launch and then it was like buffering. <laughs> and then we got 10, bonk, <laughs> buffering again, and it never came back. It never came back. <laughs> anyway, I, we managed to get a frame from it that showed it's up, so... Yeah. I mean, hopefully the mission goes well. It's going to be another four hours from now. So, What is the Orion mission all about, anyway? This is just testing to see that the space vehicle does what it's supposed to do. There's three major tests. Radi- some, there's some radiation-related tests and some flight maneuverability stuff, and then one, and then the high-speed reentry. And, and there's something about bringing humans to Mars in this story, isn't there? Eventually. I mean, one of the big conversation points, we talked about this on the Mars show, is that the radiation, the amount of interstellar radiation that's that's present between Earth and Mars is great enough that... Passive radiation probably won't, uh, radiation protection won't be sufficient. Yeah. And so the Orion is not actually intended as a Mars vehicle. Mm-hmm. It's intended as a moon vehicle and, and an asteroid vehicle. It is a deep space vehicle. Got it. So it's got a little more room. It does have some more radiation protection and so forth. And that's a lot of what they're testing. All right. Very cool. Well, let's jump into the section we call Better Know a Framework and Annoy Everybody. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? You being Mr. Run As Radio, Mr. IT, might yeah. know about the Drobo. Yeah, sure. You do? For sure, yeah. All Drobo's right. big news. All right, the Drobo is a, uh, well, it's a company, and they have a lot of different products for storage. Right. And uh, if you go to tinyurl.com slash Drobo5D, this is the one that I want for Christmas. It's oh, a little too late. I see. But uh, basically, they have this Beyond Raid technology. Yeah. That uh, supposedly solves a lot of the problems with RAID. I swore off RAID. Yeah, you, you got burned I, by RAID a few I, times. I always get burned by RAID. And so, you know, the last RAID thing I had was working well for about a year. And then I was like, nah, you know what? I don't trust this thing to work anymore. Right. So I'm just taking everything out. It just scares me. Yeah. Anyway, so let me read about their Beyond RAID technology. Drobo's Beyond RAID solves the fundamental issues that traditional RAID can't. Built on the foundation of traditional RAID, Beyond RAID adds a layer of virtualization that chooses the correct protection algorithm based on data availability needs at any given moment. Since the technology works at the block level, it can write blocks of data that alternate between RAID protection levels. Wrap your mind around that for a second, kids. If you need to add storage capacity to Drobo, simply insert additional disk drives or replace the smallest disk with larger ones. No need to change RAID levels, purchase a new storage array, or go through the complex administration of pooling RAID groups. The Beyond RAID feature can even switch from single to dual disk redundancy with just a click of the mouse through the dashboard. This ensures enterprise-level dual parity protection when needed. If a drive happens to fail, Drobo will automatically relay out the data to the remaining drives, returning it to a protected state with no user interaction. 
That is pretty cool. It's but a I'm very a- clever product. But I'm asking you, as somebody who, I don't know if you have one of these or if you try I have do- friends who have them. I have bigger stuff because, you know, I have rack gear. And, stuff. and recommended? Absolutely. I got, I got no problem with Drobo at all. No? Great product. And the people aren't crashing and burning with them? or Nothing's going to save you from bad luck, right? Yeah. Stuff's going to break. And and warranties only last so long. Drives will quit on you eventually. Yeah. It's a question of how well it compensates from that. And one thing I'd say about the Drobo gear, and a lot of the new class gear, is they really respect the smart messages from the drives. Yeah. So they will, and they this is a consumer-aimed product. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in an enterprise-class product, when I get smart messages, I'm expected as the expert to know what to do about mm. them. In the consumer-level products, what they do is say, this drive is no longer safe, and start moving stuff off of it. Wow. That's really what they're talking about with that whole Beyond Raid thing, is mm. as sectors start to fail on the drive, and the drive starts reporting that, their software reacts to that. So that the bad drive, before it fails, is already completely backed that up. That is so awesome. I think it's very clever. And if you add to that, and that's probably, what, about a grand? It was like 699 pounds. It all depends on what drives are in it, yeah. Yeah, the 5D, right? Yeah, it does. Um, but I just went looking to see what the latest... You know, one terabyte drive yep. is. By the way, a new study came out about SSDs. Supposedly, the the current generation of SSD drives will last for a thousand. What is it? A thousand years? Something like oh, ridiculous. That should be long like, enough. Like, no limit to to how long yeah, they will. Stuff's last. definitely getting better. Um, also, we talk talk about SSDs from time to time. Instead of getting the one that's already at the two fifty six. Uh, border right. or boundary, you back it off a little bit. They so do, instead of getting one terabyte, yeah, yeah, instead of getting one terabyte drive, the nine sixty gig right. is a better deal because the stuff at the end tends to wear out first. Yeah, they're right? holding cells in reserve, and there's intelligence in the firmware of the drive so that as they see cells that are bad, they're switching over to the backup cells. Right, and uh, so it gives the illusion of persisting longer. But wear out times are still wear out times. But you're right; the new MLM drives are lasting longer and longer. Yeah, yeah. And so you can get a 960 gig SATA drive from SanDisk on Newegg.com for 419 bucks. And that's an SSD, so that's, that's you know 500 SSD. megabits up and down, smoking fast. So you know four of those in a in a uh, in a Drobo chassis, yeah, Drobo 5D and Carl's a happy camp. Magic. Go ahead and send that to 300 State Street, Street 513, <laughs> New London, Connecticut. Nice. 06320. Okay, Richard, that's what I got. Let's see if anybody bites on that. Nice. <laughs> hey, I grabbed a comment off a of show 683, where a show we did with Mr. Mark Rendell. Yeah. Uh, a while ago, that's uh, 2011, we did that show when we talked about simple data, which we're going to talk about again today. Yep. But uh, John Ludlow, three years ago, wrote this comment, which I think is still very relevant. Uh, his comment is, uh, on the lightweight trend, he's talking about framework and, and tooling trends, I think frameworks in the late 90s and post-2000 were piling on the abstractions to protect developers from the quirks of, for example, a particular relational database. Yeah. Why should I need to know about Varkar or NVarkar or whatever when all I care about is strings? You know, I just want to store a string. Why are there 15 kinds of string? Right. How do I deal with a move from one provider to another where a data type might be handled differently? Give me an abstraction layer between me and the database to handle that so I don't have to worry about it. At some mm. point, I think we hit the top of the hype curve on that kind of thing as people found issues and cases where they were actually still having to worry about the quirks of the underlying system, right? Bad abstractions. Abstractions where, in the end, it still doesn't actually move symmetrically from one place to the other. For example, when you need to know what data types your actual ORM supports. 
or where they understood the database, they understood their object model, and just wanted a way to connect it to with the minimum of fuss. Mm. We're still figuring out the best way to solve some of these problems, I think, and what the best level of abstraction is for any given scenario. Yeah. Because, you know, it depends gets old, doesn't it? But it's so true, though. Yeah. You need uh, what it depends means. I need more information. Right. That's what that means. Yeah. We need to drill deeper. And, and there's if there was one right way, we'd all be doing it that way. Yeah, exactly. And so, if it was easy, you could buy it at Seven Eleven. That's right. Uh, John, thanks so much for your comment. I love that you did it three years ago. It's still absolutely relevant today. Yep. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. Because we've got them for Windows Phone 7 and 8, iOS, Android, and Windows 8. And that brings us to Mark Rendell. Mark Rendell, a.k.a. Statler, <laughs> is the founder and CEO of Oort Corporation, a new company building cloud-based software for people who build cloud-based software. Oort's first product, Zudio, a web-based Windows Azure storage toolkit, launched in April 2013. Mark has been a Windows Azure development MVP for three years. In his spare time, Mark's work on the simple.data, not an ORM, and simple.web projects, uh, and he wanders the world speaking at conferences and user groups. Or he just geeks out learning new programming languages and frameworks. In 2013, he's working a lot with TypeScript and AngularJS. And what are you doing in 2014? Yeah, that's, uh, and it's Microsoft Azure, isn't it? It's not Windows Azure. Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, oh, well. Yeah, I should have sent you an updated bio. We uh, know what you mean. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, I've still been doing AngularJS and TypeScript. Yeah. Um, and I suspect I will be doing AngularJS and TypeScript next year. I want to <laughs> know. I want to know if you wrote this quote about simple data. It's not an O slash RM. It just it looks a bit like one, but it doesn't need objects. It doesn't need a relational database, and it doesn't need any mapping configuration. So it's an O slash RM without the O or the R or the M. So it's just a slash. That was that was my original advert. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. It's just a slash. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? <laughs> uh, everyone calls it so. Um, I'm not sure if Simple Data was the first one. Uh, but um, it came at around the same time that people started going on about micro RMs and mm. Stack Overflow did dapper um, yeah. because they worked out that link to SQL was the worst way of talking to a database that had ever been invented <laughs> in the whole of history, including yeah. JDBC. Um, and then Rob Connery did Massive because right. Right. Rob has to join in. Um, and... Yeah, other things popped up. There's ORM Lite, there's Petapoco, and so forth. But these are all calling themselves micro ORMs. And right. I was just, it's, it's not an ORM. Yeah. It's basically just, it gets data out as dynamic objects. And you don't need models. Uh, you don't need classes or anything. So what does so, it do if you don't have models, classes, or objects, or databases? Um it's all dynamic, so I was kind of all excited about the, the dynamic keyword in C-sharp mm -hmm. uh, 4, wasn't it? Yeah. And um, at the time, I'd been playing with Ruby and came to the conclusion that any sane person comes to, which is that it's lovely, it's got some great features, but uh, it tends to be a bit slow. Mm -hmm. And so when they said, oh, dynamic in C-sharp, I went, great, so now I can have all my lovely C-sharp goodness and also do that cool Ruby stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Simple Data was kind of inspired by bits of Active Record uh, from Rails. 
Um, Which we don't really talk about on this show. What's What does that do? Uh, so Active Record is uh, Ruby's equivalent of an ORM. Okay. Um, and... But one of the things you can do in Ruby is you can have a class and you can implement a method called method missing. Mm -hmm. And when someone calls a method that doesn't exist, it passes it to the method missing method. And that says what was, what was the method called? What were the arguments that were passed to it? And the active record thing uses that to work out roughly what you wanted. So that, that's the dynamic portion. So there's no pre-setup required. You just start using it. Yeah. And so simple data was basically, okay, so if I have a, a dynamic DB object and then I try and access a, a customer's property on it, then I can say, well, that's probably a table called customers in the database. Yeah. Um, and then if you say find by ID, you can go select star from customers where ID equals whatever. Right. Um, so, yes, it's sort of a way of writing... Uh, SQL without writing SQL. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, but the the fact that you can then uh, you can do that into a customer object is kind of secondary. Um, okay. And that actually happens. So it fetches it out as a dynamic object, but the dynamic object knows how to convert itself to a statically typed object. So walk us through well. a, like a simple, uh, you know, something that we would maybe use Entity Framework for or or something like that, you know, taking some objects and persisting them somewhere. Just take us through the steps. Uh, so with Entity Framework... No, you, with Simple Data. So, oh, yeah. um, well, but to, to compare, so with Entity Framework, um, you're either working with a new database, in which case you can use all the migration stuff, or you're yeah. working with an existing database. Right. If you're working with an existing database, you have to create a bunch of classes that match in names and everything to your database tables. Yeah. Uh, or you have to put attributes on all the properties to say this maps to this column and this is how you do the conversion and all this sort of thing. So you have to create all these objects for your database. And then you can say, uh, now do uh, create a DB set and go and find all these objects and map them and then pass them through to my uh, Razor mm. uh, view, yeah. which will then render them. Whereas with simple.data, you can say uh, database.open.customers.all. Yeah. Um, and then that will return you just a dynamic object, which you can pass through to your Razor view. So mm. you just don't have to create the classes unless wow. you really want to. So right. you have to create the database? You have to create the database. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And it, th th so it doesn't do migrations. Right. Um, but, but it, you are doing a data-first model. So I am yeah. laying out some data structures and so yeah. forth. Yeah. And then being able to project that into yes. a Razor view. It basically takes... So simple data takes the data model from the database right. and just maps it through as dynamic hmm. um, and automatically converts things to, to date times and so forth. It's wow. not so good with, like, geospatial types. Yeah, they there's, weird, just, there's you know, weird types of databases now. Yes. Um, but it doesn't so do a lot with an XML type either. Uh, no, but I'm looking <laughs> at, at actually building more of that stuff into version two. Oh, okay. Um, so, which has just started. Because um, I mean, simple data is a mature project on GitHub, right? Like you've you've got a bunch of contributors and so forth. Like, yeah, it's been going um, for a while. It's well, uh, what four years? Yeah, three, three or four years. That's a grown-up um, project. It is. Right. It is. It's. Uh, I think we've had something like seventy thousand downloads off NuGet, which right. isn't a huge amount. No. Um, but, but it's not just you either. It's not just me. Yeah. Um, the the great thing is 
I'm not like this control freak person at the centre. There's a lot of projects where the only way you can contribute to them is to join an organisation and get given commit rights and so right, forth. Right. Yeah. Whereas you need to be I Mark's just friend. said, you know, if you <laughs> want to create an... Ad- yes, and, and that's really... I don't have friends. Um, <laughs> Except Waldorf. I have people who know me. <laughs> uh, yes, potential friends and then people who've met me. Right. Um, that's, that's it, basically. <laughs> Uh, you have a lot of yeah old <laughs> but no I, so I basically said if you want to create an adapter or a provider for it just call it simple.data.whatever right, but yeah. then you know run your own github repository for it yeah. uh, and, and you handle the packaging for it and, and I'm not going to vouch for it and so and people just did so wow. a guy did sequel light a guy did my sequel there's a postgre sequel um mm. and then it started getting and a couple of guys in germany did oracle wow. which was great mm. and that was really complicated um now it's just got weird there's an infomix oh, really? provider for it wow and it, which for me is like um i used infomix in my first ever job so the first language I wrote commercial software in was ESQLC. Right. And this was what talking platform to, was that? Was uh, that Xenix. Oh. Yes. Santa Cruz Operation. Yeah, yeah. Um, who who uh, accidentally sued themselves out of existence, I think, <laughs> at some point in the... <laughs> In the 2000s. You know, there's so many tangents we could go on. I know, it's show. great. <laughs> like, I want to hear that story, but we don't have time. Yeah. I wanted to ask what's wrong with RAID. I've got... Uh, so, hang on. RAID's not secure enough. I need Beyond RAID. It's <laughs> not that it's, it's not secure. It's just... I've, man, I've just been beaten up It takes up care by and RAID. feeding. It takes right? care it's and feeding. It's not just reliable. I think, you know, you hit on this with the Drobo. That yeah. Drobo's product's meant for consumers, and it largely takes care of itself. Yeah. You can't just go off and buy RAID. You need somebody who's watching it and tuning it, and it takes care and feeding. And, and he's, we've got stuff to do. Right, yeah. man. i got yeah. more things to do. That's why I got it, because I don't want to be swapping out hard drives yeah. all day long. Yeah, because with uh, SQL Server 7, um, we had a system that we'd been working on, and then we installed it on a customer's server, mm-hmm. and it was just useless right and so we're like on the phone to microsoft going why is it useless and the first thing the guy said is is it a raid server right yes don't put it on a raid server yeah just like separate one of the discs off and just because yeah. sql server 7 did not like raid no back when uh, it was well and, it, and it's you know one of those classic consulting type things like if you don't know what normal actually is you can live with some really messed up stuff oh yeah, yeah. i've come into shops where their performance was so bad, it's like, you would be better off with a hard drive rather than <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of data equipment you've got here. Yeah. Like, that's how bad your performance is. It's just just because you bought fancy stuff doesn't mean it's working right or you're using it right. So exactly. it, it does matter. So the simple data version 2, is this just an extension of the existing GitHub project or are you doing it differently? Uh, it was going to be... Um, so it was going to be what would because it's the original simple data is still on 0.19. It's one of right. those projects that's never <laughs> reached a 1.0. Yeah, and it was going to be the last push to get it to 1.0. Mm. But I'd been off the code for about a year. Okay, and you know what it's like when you look at code that you wrote a, a year or two years ago and you what idiot go, wrote this? Who the hell paid me <laughs> to do anything? Why does this comment say, what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't inspire confidence. Yes. And so I was looking at it and there's some really weird design decisions. There's some compromises. 
but there was fundamentally some terrible code where people are just saying, can you make it do this? And rather than going, I probably could, but I don't think I should, right. I kind of took it as a challenge going, that sounds impossible. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> and also quite a lot of it was written at two o'clock in the morning. Mm, right. Um, Get that kryptonite out of here. Exactly. <laughs> so I thought, uh, and I, I was kind of looking at it and going, there's just such an obviously better way to do this. And so I yeah. said, all right, I'm going to call, I'm going to rip out all the internals. Um, and so I went from 770 lovely green tests right. from unit tests mm -hmm. to integration <laughs> tests with SQL Server um, to, I think, about 100 uh, passing unit tests and everything else went red because <laughs> <laughs> I just ripped the heart out of it. Wow. And then the depressing thing was that those 100 green tests that I had left were just very low-level unit tests for stuff that I was about to throw away. Just <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, I don't actually need that anymore, so it doesn't matter that the unit tests are... I've thrown that away as well. Funny. Um, and just, yeah, basically uh, started again. You dismantled but your project. I did. I dismantled it, but this is, I bang on quite a lot about uh, test-driven development. Sure. Um, it's one of those things that... Uh, it's actually easier to do with dynamic systems. Mm -hmm. So because simple data is dynamic, when I say I'm going to make db.upsert um, work, uh, I can just write in the syntax that I want it to be right. and the test fails. Yeah. But then I just go and hack around in the SQL server code or the ADO code or whatever else until eventually that test goes green right. and I make sure all the others have stayed green. And so I had this enormous test suite and I was able to like gradually go. I'm going to get. I'm going to turn the find by is green. Then I'm going yeah. to turn the inserts yeah. green. <laughs> you and then you the basically updates. have a working list there. And I kind of yeah. And it just sort of gradually. The really weird thing was sometimes I'd go. I'm going to make that one this sort of little folder of tests green. And while I was doing it, one of the others would go green as well. And I'm kind of what did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> I've accidentally fixed the the bulk insert in right. in SQL Server. So yeah, it's um but the big change as I was kind of going along doing this mm -hmm. um was I decided to be a bit opinionated. Right. And so it is it's all async. Oh. Hey, nothing um, wrong with that. You know, and we can await it. There's, we can fine. await it. That's the thing. <laughs> There's um, a t-shirt. Yeah, we can await it. <laughs> we can await it. And we but, will. Um, so, yeah, Node. So this is the thing. In Node, you've got uh, fs.read. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, unlike in .NET, where they have async for the version that yeah. on, as a suffix, in Node, they actually have sync as a suffix. Right. Because everything is async by default. Right. Right. But they've put in synchronous versions of things for yeah for simplicity. File system read is a good reason, good place where you need to be synced. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's no real sensible place on any of the simple data methods where you can suffix async onto it because if you say find by id async, right, then you know do we, I'm going to take that async off. Yeah, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Right. It's just like, um, so now basically. Uh, when when people start complaining that simple data two doesn't work, I'm just going to go. Are you awaiting it? And they're going to say, Oh no! I'm yes, uh, <laughs> I'll probably yeah, that, put that, in. That's a, your tagline, right? Simple yeah. data two. Yes. Are you awaiting it? Are you awaiting <laughs> it? Yes. <laughs> You've forgotten to await it. Yes. Um, you just have to remind them every time. But the side effect of this is that it suddenly become much more flexible. 
because uh, previously when I said uh, when you said db .customers and a bunch of named parameters, right? Mm -hmm. That was it. It would just go off and do it. Yes. And so one of the things that I had as a as a feature for 2.0 was batch operations. Right. Uh, when you're doing it the sort of simple brute force way, they say insert this, and you go. Uh, okay, create a connection, open a connection, do the insert, dispose the connection. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they go, oh, and insert this as well. And you're kind of like, I'll, uh, I'll go and do that again. And connection. so obviously the ability for someone to say, look, here's half a dozen SQL commands. Yeah. Open a connection, run that, run that, run that, run that, close the connection. Yeah, right. It's going to make for much more sensible use. Because what I've effectively got now is when you say db.customers.insert, it creates an operation that... Uh, implements get a waiter right which is how you do awaitable async stuff um but the, until you await it nothing actually happens mm -hmm. so you can throw these operations around batch them together put them into lists right so um, you're no longer declaring a batch know. per se you just do whatever you want to do and once you say okay here's my awaiter yeah that's yeah. the big the yeah. time to start executing the batch. so there's a right. batch and you kind of say await Batch, yeah, um, and then squiggly brackets and list of db dot this db dot that db dot the other, right, and then close the squiggly bracket so it's got the and you the return list immediately thing. go off to your next yeah, thing that's it sometime and, later and it the all callback will occur asynchronously yeah um, that's very elegant I like that it is it's it, it was kind of accidental but <laughs> once I everything I do is accidental um, <laughs> yeah, it's not bad not a bad way to be. Uh, Yes, if I thought things through, I probably wouldn't get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so there's that. Uh, the other thing that it fixed is we ended up with some horrible syntax. Um, so queries really got out of control. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, simple data queries do eager loading. So you can, and but they do it all with these funky kind of made up on the fly method names. So you can say db dot orders uh, dot find by customer ID and pass in a customer ID, and then right. say with order items. Hmm. So oh, dot with nice. order items brackets, yeah. and it eager loads it using the same pattern that uh, Stack Over the, the Dapper the Dapper uses because I stole it from them. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what that's what uh, David Frost said. Immature poets imitate, mature poets deal. It's yes. sort of like the folk music of, uh, you know, the, these things are like folk music. Yes. They, they're, they're meant to be interpreted, rein, reinvented, and reinterpreted. The yeah. bottom line is that's a good idea. Yes. Right. That when, I, when I want the second order data on a given object, just go get it for yeah. me. Yeah, Not please. more complicated yeah. than that. Um, so that was fine because when you do uh, a find all it's actually uh you have to say dot to list right to actually run that or you have to for reach over it right but when you're finding a single record when you're saying uh order dot find by id 1012 right um it just it goes and gets that order right. because that's the end and then it returns an order object um and, you can and add so order then items. people were mm -hmm. going how can i get the order with the order items when i'm just getting one and so we had ended up with this horrible syntax where if you were doing that you had to put the dot with before oh. the thing which apart from anything else looks disturbingly german <laughs> <laughs> Because you're going, 
to the verbs at the yeah. end, basically. Yeah, Christian but Bale now, is listening to this going, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say? Hello, Germany. I love you. Um, <laughs> there he I is was, now. I was going to say thank you for strudel, but then I'm worried that that's Austria. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a bad, bad but, uh, yes. mix up. Um, well, that, that'll be the next comment that you, someone's going to get <laughs> yes. a .net with a <laughs> delivered to Hamburg going, <laughs> uh, um, but yes, now, cause that find by, uh, or we've got get as well, which just automatically works out what the primary key is and right. uses that. Um, it won't do anything until you await it. Yeah. Await is like the, the for each of C sharp five. It's right. that thing that goes, now I need it. Um, and so it's now it's got sane again, and you can say like db.customers.get42. with orders. with order items. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, the the with goes down to you go as mental as you want to yeah. go. Yes. With yes. inventory description, um, with quantity. Exactly. Yeah. You can put you can put half a dozen widths in there. Create yeah. the the Cartesian outer product to end all Cartesian outer right. products. Mm-hmm. Starting if you're with listening a row. and you don't know what Cartesian outer product is, Google it. I'm not your mum. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes, it's it's a foot gun. I like building foot guns. Yes, it's foot not gun. a real product till you can blow your toe off yeah, with it. Foot absolutely, it's it. it's like a, a six-barreled foot shotgun in yes. this particular case. This will actually crash your database and melt your drobo for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, you guessed it. Time to turn a thousand green tests of this smart conversation into 1,000 stupid red blinky lights. <laughs> <laughs> you can laugh out loud. Oh, it's okay. Okay. <laughs> He's like holding it back. It's like, I think I have to be quiet when you guys are talking. No, no not at all. It's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today, Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. Awesome, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Derek Hackett. Congratulations, Derek. Derek just won the Telerik DevCraft collection, and that's a big pile of awesome from Telerik, in case you were wondering. And if you don't know what we're talking about right now, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. We like to give away sponsor stuff in every show, and every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Just did it just a few days ago. Yeah, last week. Yeah, and uh, we'd like to ask our guests, Mark, if you had $5,000 US to spend on technology today, what would you buy? So I was thinking about this, and am I allowed to kind of just bank it for a little while? Because <laughs> I want... Previously, it would have been an Oculus Rift. Yep. Um I had this idea about getting an Oculus Rift and two uh, drones um, mm. and wiring each drone's camera up to one eye of the <laughs> Oculus Rift. Oh, great. And then flying them up to 50 feet right. and basically seeing what it would like to be a giant. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then one of, the robot, one of the drones goes out of control and you feel like a giant with a stroke. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to go... So there was that, and obviously a couple of GTX Titan 
serious video cards. You know, if you're going to yeah. have an Oculus Rift, you basically <laughs> need one of those for each eye. Yeah. But then, I, have you seen this Magic Leap Yes. Thing? I don't know what the that leap is. No, 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 no. This is... Um, so it's like augmented virtual reality. They're projecting. They're using lasers to project images directly onto the your retina. retina. Uh, I don't um, like and they can make like a whale just or an elephant float in space in front of you. Oh, because yeah. that's um, useful. It sounds quite a lot like the way that Neil Stevenson imagined VR working in Snow Crash. Yep. Um, and so, yes, I don't know if five thousand dollars is going to be enough, but if it's supposed to be a consumer technology, you're going to hope. They're going to be able to get that price be, down. Is that yeah. something that attaches to um, your glasses? or? I don't know. They've, they're being very cagey about it, but they've got mm. investment from Google. They've got investment yeah. from They've from got a lot of money, but not people. a lot of product. Um, okay. And they've obviously got some, you know, I've seen a yeah. couple of articles with people going, oh, I've seen it, and I'm not allowed to tell you most of it, but it is awesome. Okay. Um, but yes, it actually does various tricks to the wavelength of the light. Right. Well, and you, and so and basically, you I'm just going to bank my five thousand dollars until they out, give me something for that I can buy. Well, the other thing they're discovering right. is that the retina is not a canvas. You can't just paint on it. You know the, yeah. the way the fovea and so forth work. It's very complicated to draw an image. Your eye does a lot. Yes, and it's going to be very challenging to get technology. Because you've got like, the color bits and the black and white bits. Yeah, and, and parts that are more sensitive and less sensitive. And, and, yeah. Your eyes actually got a constant state of movement to compensate for the fill in the blank spots. Yeah, you know, you that don't see your blind spot. And uh, trying to draw on it is there tricky. it is, yeah, yeah, good stuff though. But yeah, I'm totally with you. We're at the edge of a lot of interesting technology here. Yeah, it's not a yeah. bad time to just hang on to that money for a little while longer. So, is Simple Data Two available right now, or is this something it is. you're still working on? It is. So, I kind of I got stuck because I have so many things that I'm working on with Zudio and with customer right. projects and um, and doing my daughter's homework for her and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and so it had sat there, uh, and I thought, I just need to like something to, to push me. So I don't know if you saw... Um, the fundraiser. The fundraiser. Yeah. So I had a pledgy for, for Simple Data for ages, and I think it had made £250 or something. And a pledgy, for those who don't know. A pledgy is uh, uh, basically a begging bowl for open source All right. projects. Right. Where just they can say, donate you know, just, just support donate me button. on this thing. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, didn't, I hadn't set a goal on the pledgy, and so okay. I went. I set a, a seven hundred and fifty pound goal, right? Um, on top of the two, so it was basically I want five hundred pounds, right? And I wrote a blog post um, to the internet that basically said, if you buy me an Xbox One, because <laughs> I really <laughs> wanted to play Sunset Overdrive, and right. um, my wife will not let me spend money on things like Xbox ones right. at the moment and so I said if you buy me an Xbox One I will buy it I will put it on my desk and I won't open the box until I've released the first alpha of Simple Data 2 okay. <laughs> that's going to be my incentive you know it's like my incentive for writing talks is that they start in half an hour and <laughs> so my incentive for writing Simple Data is I'm going to have the things sat you there don't get to play and I don't get to game. play with it um, and also we wanted uh, Disney Infinity 2.0 <laughs> with okay. all the Marvel stuff, because my daughter was going, hey, let me give it this. Um, and so uh, so I had the combined, I really wanted to play with it, and also my daughter was actually coming upstairs like once an hour going, have you finished Simple Thing yet? <laughs> <laughs> I would, if you stopped asking. Yeah. So yes. Um, 
Oh, but yes, funny. and funnily enough, once the Xbox was actually sat there being guarded by my stuffed honey badger, um, it took two <laughs> days, and I actually have wow. I have Alpha One um, on NuGet right. now, and you can download it, you can install it. A couple of things are seriously broken. Um, Wouldn't be real software if it wasn't. Exactly. Does uh, compile? No, it, wait a minute, it doesn't. I get six errors, my friend. When you git clone it? Yeah, or? no, I just downloaded the zip. Loaded the source in Visual Studio 2013 and tried to build. Oh, no, I, I'm not guaranteeing that the source is, is oh, okay. stable. I've All probably right. committed something a bit dodgy. Um, okay. Or I've probably got something on my machine that you haven't got on yours. Probably. I'll uh, figure it out. Like a Dell logo. Oh, it's yeah, it's, um, it's the NuGet package restore. NuGet hell, basically. There you go. I'll fix that. Um, I'll fix you. But the NuGet package works. Or it'd better work, because I'm cage matching it in, in an hour. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to be standing there with just Jimmy going, I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. Rob Connery will take no mercy on you. Trust me. <laughs> so, yeah, you have to, if you want to get it from NuGet, um, you, uh, you have to use it with uh, .NET 4.5. It will not right, work right. with 4.0. It is an alpha. Um, and it is the alpha 1 release, so you have to use the minus pre-release right. tag. Um, and... At the moment, it only works with uh, the full framework. So it appears to work for the most part in ASP.NET 5, oh. but it doesn't work with the core CLR yet. Okay. There's a couple of things that I'm doing in terms of runtime code gen that the core CLR uh, doesn't like. Oh, actually. Um, it makes the angels cry. <laughs> Apparently. Um, <laughs> uh, well, and, and, and I noticed it. looking at the NuGet stack here, but you've also got, like, the uh, the race candidates of uh, of data core for one like stuff's come along yeah so a lot uh, of stuff the the only reason actually that 1.0 hasn't happened is because all the semver people were saying a core feature a central feature of the 1.0 release is docs and someone was writing the docs yeah um, but they are incomplete. I mean, because the docs are uh, pretty good, right? The simple the, uh, simplefx.org? That's the one, yeah, yeah. Slash simple data slash docs. Um, so I'm going to basically say, ah, that's good enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you mean like real docs? Yes, yes. Um, but actually, in the new one, uh, I've got the that Python MX docs. Yeah. It's just kind of a markdown specifically for doing documentation. Uh, and I'm going to push that through to readthedocs.org. Um, and try and make sure that I keep it updated as I go along, nice. which is much easier than getting to the end of the fun bit and going, right, now I need to write the 800 pages of, right. of documents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, this one's going to be better documented. Um, well, it's something you can also tie to testing, too, right? It's like yeah. you've, got, you've got all this great instrumentation for understanding when things are functioning. Shouldn't that be part of the doc process as well? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. I mean, I was... Yeah, some way to generate documentation from unit tests yes. would was an interesting idea, be, isn't it? Someone, but someone write that. I haven't yeah. got time. But well, thinking about Sandcastle was like that against right. classes. Sandcastle is that Sandcastle's awesome. old Microsoft. Yes, it's just it's classic old Microsoft. Yes. It was hugely over engineered. Yeah, yeah, and, and still didn't actually have any facts in it that were that mattered. No, because everyone just uses Ghost Doc. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's. <laughs> The, the constructor comment creates a new instance of yes. this class. Well, yes, obviously that's what it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I meant to ask you about Zudio. How are things? 
it could be better. <laughs> that is true of everything. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. Uh, it's not turning over enough money for me to do that full time. So right. I'm doing a lot of consulting and training. And you need to eat. Exactly. <laughs> you need to pay the rent and uh, you know need to buy games for the Xbox. It turns out. Well, yeah. We talked about Zudio a while ago, but yes. let's, yeah. let's tell people exactly what it does. So it's uh, right now it's for managing uh, Microsoft Azure uh, blobs, tables, queues, and the new files right. storage, right. and yeah. you can upload and download stuff and export stuff and and all this sort of thing. Uh, yeah. But it runs in the browser. Yeah. Um, so you know the the main tools that you find if you go and Google for this are Windows right. applications. Yes. Um, but with like new Microsoft and ASP.NET running on Linux and on Mac and all this sort of thing, there's just... And developers, for some reason that eludes me, love Macs. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I, yeah. The, U, great... the UK Mac keyboard doesn't have a hash symbol on it. <laughs> How can you be a developer with a keyboard where they've hidden the hash symbol. You need that. Yeah. What, <laughs> I, don't, we, what I don't like about uh, accidentally installing the UK version of any Windows operating system is that the at sign is in the wrong place. No, the at sign's in the right place. It's in the wrong <laughs> in the place, right place, my friend. Get with the program. No. <laughs> no. You need the double quote much more often than you need the at symbol. I have so no it problem hitting double quote or at. It's just that they're in the wrong place. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Who invented the QWERTY keyboard? <laughs> this probably is what we a Brit. Know. It was probably a Brit. We invented almost everything. Yeah. Apparently. Um, yes. Yes. In including... Hubris. <laughs> no, wait, that was the Greeks, wasn't it? Yeah. But basically, uh, there's there's um, some new stuff coming on Zudio uh, very soon. Um, I my wife's up. given me this list of things. Pretty keyword invented Christmas. by American. All right. Well, there you Curse go. Curse you. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we're adding uh, some enterprisey features because we've worked out that you can try and sell kind of thousands of subscriptions right. at five dollars a month, or you can sell one subscription for five thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. to like Chase Manhattan Bank right. or something. And you know, this is so we're we're basically doing Active Directory integration yeah, and permissions and auditing and all the sort of stuff that that enterprises love. Right. And, and we're building that on, going to get it into the Azure marketplace. Yeah. Um, and then uh, got some people coming on board to help with the development. So we're going to add support for things like Service Bus and Redis. Nice. Um, and then once Simple Data's progressed a bit further, Simple Data 2, we're going to add in relational database support. Yeah, so, cool. Which will work yeah, I with, feel like um, these two products could end up coming together. Yes, yeah. Uh, so Simple Data 2, the other thing it has um, is it exposes metadata, so you can actually say, give me a list of all the tables in the database. Right, nice. Um, and uh, which previously you couldn't do. I don't know why, because the internal, the people who were writing the providers had to write one that gave me a list of all the tables in the database right. so that I could work out how to build the SQL. It just never occurred to me to actually make that public. Yeah, to expose so that. that. Everybody Other people else can do that too. Um, 
So, yeah, some people are going, can I get a list of all the tables? And I'm like, no, it's a secret. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> so now, in two, I have just done a... So you can do database.getmetadata and pass right. it a database name, and it gives you a whole new metadata API. Um, Clearly, it's a classic version two in the sense of it's all the things you've learned from actually using the product. Yeah. And all, many of these things just come for free in a re-architecting. Yes. Yeah. Which, they just um, fall out. But... Uh, and it's back to that really weird. So, you know, people go, it, "Does it work though?" You know, <laughs> I, did you not what? just publish a new get package so that you could play Forza Horizon Two? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I had, uh, you know, the, most of the tests were passing, and all the ones that weren't, I put on to ignore because it would have taken weeks to fix right. some of them. Um, but it's that thing where I've installed it into a couple of things that I've been building. Yes. Um, and I started off. Because I was so completely unsure, and I thought it's it's bound. I've, this is like alpha one. It's bound to be breaking all over the place. So I was writing integration tests to cover the bits of the other application that were using simple data, just because I had no faith that it was going to work at right. all. Because I have no faith in myself. Um, <laughs> but it just keeps working. You <laughs> seem so disappointed. It's just I I. It always throws me the stuff I write actually works right. in production but then I get people who say oh um, yeah do, uh, you like that simple data we use simple data to build that and so it's and it's in like big websites wow um, who are not cool with me saying uh, mm, that it's in there yeah, um, yeah, yeah because you know I'm like, can I get a testimonial no no um, we don't do testimonials we're there's legal issues apparently they worry that you know if they say it's good and then someone else uses it and something goes wrong you can be sued for having given a testimonial really yes in the uk it was, a, it was yes this was almost an by that in america i think it's an american parent company so, right, so okay. therefore we don't want any uk listeners of dotnet rocks anymore sorry no. we did not say anything <laughs> we did not recommend anything no. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Basically, if if someone downloads DevCraft and and just code slows down Visual Studio, they're going to sue you. Okay, um, but that's yes. great. Awesome. So I got to say, while you guys were talking, I went to the I created a new Windows app in Visual Studio 13. Installed the package simple.data.sql.server/pre, and found your wiki, and uh, have started basically hammering away at my database. And it's pretty, pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, um, it's simple. It is simple. I um, like that. I like it, simple. But it's one of those things. Uh, it's like a duck. Um, yeah. So you watch a duck and it's gliding gracefully across the right. water, and then you look underneath, and there's just this leg right. thing so, going on flapping and, around. And that begs the question: you know, where, where, at what point does it break down? Like, it, w at what point is somebody going to be disappointed because they thought it would do X and it doesn't do that? Um, I know that's a hard thing for a software developer to say about their own product, but right at the moment. Um, you can call functions, uh, so you can say um, coalesce, for example. So you okay. can actually say db.table.column.coalesce mm -hmm. and then pass in a number or, you know, like zero, mm. um, and it will do the coalesce, it will call the coalesce function in SQL Server. Right. Yeah. And it does that. You, you know, if you know the functions there, yeah. it'll work. But it'll only work where functions. For the built-in functions where the first argument is the column, yeah, right. and then 
and the other arguments are also expressible using like .NET values. So that's that's the main point where it breaks down. Um, okay. You know, you can call store procedures. It works with output parameters mm -hmm. and all this sure. sort of stuff. Uh, you can call some of the built-in functions or some user-defined functions. Okay. Um, like I say, at the moment, it doesn't work particularly well with complex types. Right. So user-defined types or the geospatial stuff, the things that you need, like SQL data reader and SQL DB type to cope with. Yeah. Um, but we put. Um, I say we. Who's we? It's, <laughs> yeah. I am putting in. Uh, it's because I'm used to pretending that there's lots of us working on Zudio just so that... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was good um, for business. But yeah, there's going to be a lot more extension points in, in version 2 that will actually enable you to say, right, grab this and turn it into this and, right. and do all this sort of stuff. We, we, um, you're going to end up being more database opinionated feature-wise. Yeah. yeah, yes. Um, but the, you know, hopefully there are some lovely surprises in there as well. Mm. Um, so if, for example, you do an insert and pass it an I enumerable, yeah, um, and that I enumerable has like ten thousand items in it, mm -hmm. and you're doing this against a SQL Server database. It will automatically go, ah, you probably want SQL bulk copy then, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which was this insane optimization. So doing ten thousand insert statements takes several seconds, right? Um, doing two SQL bulk copies with five thousand rows each, yeah, takes yeah. like two milliseconds yeah. or something ridiculous. Shocking. It's basically down to network bandwidth at that point. Well, but yeah, that, that's uh, your only time involved because bulk copy just bypasses all of the database things, yeah, basically until it it's finished, goes to the disk, yeah, put um, it on the disk. Then validate it, done. Yeah. As opposed to validating before you write. Um, so, yeah, that's in there. Hmm. Um, and someone did something similar for Oracle. Uh, oh, yeah. So, you know, there's some clever stuff that it, Oracle yeah, does. Yeah, BCP is, is a SQL server thing. Not, yeah. Oracle's yeah. got a variation it's on it, but got, it's not the same. They've got some weird thing that they do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes. Also, Oracle doesn't have identity columns. No. That completely threw me. Um <laughs> Because when you do an insert, I give you back the record that was inserted, right? Um, with the ID and with any like default dates or unique IDs they also or treat whatever. Stored procedures very differently. They've mm. got a bunch of typing oh. differentials. They have they have like a church of stored procedures in Oracle where they, you know, they worship on, yeah. on Thursdays. <laughs> There's a right way, and everybody yeah. else is the wrong way. Yeah. Um, but no, I have a <laughs> I have a talk on Azure storage that I I did at um, Oradev. Uh, and I kind of talk about all your different options. And of course, now Oracle is a first-class supported thing that you can run on an Azure VM. Right. Um, but with each kind of type of storage, I was saying, you know, what it's best used for. Right. And right. so I'm like, SQL Server is best used for transactional stuff and legacy applications that need SQL Server. Yeah. And MySQL is best used for if you really, really need to do something in PHP. Yeah. And Oracle is best used because the DBA is a friend of yours, and you don't want to fire him. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Because Oracle is still one of these things that actually needs somebody employed full time. Yeah, like a plate cheating. spinner just to stop the thing from crashing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's bonkers powerful. I don't want to say I'm not bad mouthing Oracle. No, it is unbelievable, you know, insanely powerful, and capable of coping with trillions of records and and all this sort of stuff, but yeah. it is, it's a thing yeah. unto itself. Yeah, and it does need its own care and feeding. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Very, it definitely very has, careful. It's quite an opinionated data store. Sure. In that sense of how it operates. 
Well, Mark, what's next for you? What are you working on? Uh, I mean, I know what you're working on, but what do you plan to do next? Uh, Maybe feature-wise or just... I'm, I'm going to sleep for a month. Nice. <laughs> I mean, you're um, in alpha right now. You're still just adding I'm in features. Two. Alpha Two's going to be out uh, probably the week between Christmas and the New Year. Right. So uh, next week then, because yeah. it's the 24th of December, isn't it? It is. It? Yes. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm gonna. I've got uh, my list of things that have to be done by Christmas on Zudio. Right. Um, at which point, I'm allowed to stop until the new year and then pick that up again um but uh yeah i've got half a dozen ideas for for startups um which range from the the very silly um which is uh <laughs> oh and trying to stop people anyway i'll get to that in a minute um so some are very silly and some are the sort of thing where you think that's a stupid idea but i can probably take it to south by southwest and get someone to give me 10 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have no idea how I would monetize it beyond getting that $10 million, right. and then I've monetized it. Now it's the VC's problem to monetize it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple of those that I'm going to do market research on and that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's the very silly one. So I, I seem to have invented a programming language. Um, really? By accident? By accident. Um, hey, so that happens. I did the closing keynote at Build Stuff, right? Um, and I wrote this talk for it called "The Worst Programming Language Ever." <laughs> um, <laughs> and it turns out that how you make the worst programming language ever is you start with PHP and you iterate. <laughs> <laughs> but you iterate in the wrong direction. So I replaced the dollar prefix on all the variables with the euro symbol instead. Oh, then, then you guys can't type it. Um, <laughs> revenge. Uh, yeah, the only conditional is unless. Um, right. It's got significant white space and line numbers. It's just, it's horrible. And now people have gone off to implement it. Um, there are two <laughs> compiler projects going, and you're like, don't do that! What have you done? Um, but also, as part of inventing this language, I invented UTF-256. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as I'm sure you immediately worked out, is got 4 times 10 to the 74 character slots, right. which is more characters than there are atoms in the solar system, <laughs> including the Oort cloud. Um, so I've actually registered UTF256.com, um, and I'm basically going to say, right, you can upload pictures and they become UTF2, UTF256 characters, um, but I'm going to sell ranges. <laughs> so you can buy a million characters in the UTF-256 character set and, so, and, and I'm going to sell them to people like Kim Kardashian so she can basically the Kardashian character yeah. set but you know like in, in UTF the, uh, in just standard Unicode right. from this number to this number is like uh, Japanese right. kanji and yeah. whatever yeah. else sets. is going yeah um, and so I'm basically going to sell these, these sets um, and so, yeah, Kim Kardashian can buy like one million to two million for, for pictures of her bottom. Right. Um, and I, you know, that's uh, that's the sort of idea like that Yo app that happened <laughs> where you sort of think, I'll do that. Oh, and, yeah. and right. you know, all it needs is one. It doesn't even need to be Kim, just one of the Kardashians right. um, <laughs> or, or anybody else. 
Although, if Scarlett Johansson would like the entire upper half of the uh, <laughs> character set, then she can have that for a cuddle. Ah, <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, as always. And, and uh, you guys. I love, I love just the fact that you come out with new stuff, and it's great. Yep. Yeah, it's awesome. I always enjoy talking to a creator, one yep. way or the other. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a 